0: Hi, this is Crystal Cyrus from the OOTW podcast and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. I'm Chris McBrian and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me.
1: And I'm Derek Myers and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode
0: 114, Cop Movies. <laughs> Hey, I'm Chris McBrien, along with caveman Derek Myers. This is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. You're going to find Derek on Twitter at Amaron underscore DM, and you'll find me there at CMcBrien. Just remember, McBrien is I-E-N. com is our website, and if you listen to us on iTunes, take a minute and leave us a review. We would appreciate it, wouldn't we, Derek? Absolutely, we would. And what's new in your uh, in the world of pop culture for you, my friend?
1: Uh, well, I got a chance to catch up on a couple of movies that I missed earlier this summer on uh, on download DVD and download. Uh, first one is called Long Shot. Have you heard about this one? I have not. So it is a romantic comedy starring Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen. Uh, Charlize Theron plays the uh, Secretary of State in the United States government, and um, she's Getting ready to make a uh, run at the presidential office. And her people are telling her that she needs some additional speech writers, uh, preferably someone who can add some humor and uh, some humanity to some of her uh, speeches. And Seth Rogen is a journalist who works for a very radical newspaper who doesn't take any crap from anyone and he's at the beginning of the movie he gets fired for having ex, you know extremist views he doesn't want to you know uh, uh, settle down because the man tells him to he wants to shine a light on all these things that are wrong with the world and so Charlize theron's people end up hiring him and it turns out that in their characters, history, they knew each other as teenagers in high school. So it's this 20 years later, this reconnection, and he comes on as a speechwriter and he gives her these great jokes and he gets, they start catching up and then they, you know, they fall in love and and have a relationship and hilarity ensues. And, uh, I'm not always the world's biggest Seth Rogen fan. I, you know, I'm sort of hit and miss with him, but, uh, with this one, I thought he was really good and, uh, I really enjoyed the movie. It's, it's been a long time since we've had some good romantic comedies in the theater we're getting a lot more of them on on services like netflix and uh and hulu and some of the 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 direct services uh which seems to be a good fit for a lot of them but this this one was released in the theater not really sure why it didn't do better but uh, I, i really enjoyed it i thought it was quite good um the other one i saw was rocket man the elton john movie oh yeah how was it was it good it was good, but it wasn't exactly what I expected. So we spent a lot of time talking about Bohemian Rhapsody this time last year. Yep, and we both enjoyed it, and we both liked the music, and we did a whole bunch of stuff. So we talked about Queen in a number of episodes. So I'm a pretty big Elton John fan. I really enjoy his music, not oh, yeah, that not is as great to the same extent as Queen, right? Um, but I Elton agree. John is is you know every bit as talented, in my opinion, every bit as talented as Freddie Mercury. I mean, they have some different skill sets, but they are both. I think it's fair to say they are both musical geniuses oh, in yeah. their time. Oh, absolutely. And um, and I mean, especially with Elton John and his, uh, you know, the, the latter part of his life, he he has dedicated a lot of his time and mon- money and energy and resources into uh, uh, various charitable donations and, and causes. So, I mean, the guy's heart is in the right place. Um, in any case, the movie was great. Taron Egerton, who plays Elton John, did a fantastic job. He does all his own singing, unlike um, the in the Bohemian Rhapsody um Remy Malek didn't do his own singing they just they just dubbed in Freddie Mercury. Right. Um but this one is more a traditional capital M musical oh. where in the middle of a scene they'll break into song. Oh interesting. Uh not not with every song and but for many of them they do where the lyrics make sense like again they've 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 drawn from the lyrics are drawn from Elton John's life, and then so they sort of work them into the script. And then the characters are having dinner, and then one of them will start to sing to the other one. And, the, and the, again, the lyrics are all the lyrics from the songs. So you sort of know, oh, okay, I know where this scene is going now because I understand what the lyrics of these songs are. And um, or there would be like, not to the extent of like a Moulin Rouge where. The 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 numbers are reimagined in these like over the top showmanship kind of ways, but I mean obviously with Elton John he's totally showmanship. Uh, but there was there was a lot more of that in Rocket Man than I really expected there to be. I expected it to be more in the same vein as Bohemian Rhapsody, where it was a biopic about Elton John with his songs being performed. That that was my expectation going in. The fact that it was a little more musical it dropped it down a notch, just a small notch for me. So instead of, say, giving it an A, I would probably give it like a B-plot. Mm. It was good. And the music was great. And oh, the yeah. performances were great. And um, from, they do – at the end, they do uh, – during the credits, they show like the real still photos of certain aspects that were depicted in the movie. And then they do like a side-by-side. Here's the shot from the movie and here's the real shot. And you can see that they, they definitely spent the time and energy in getting the details correct. And um, yeah, no, it, I mean, they were both great movies, and uh, I recommend them both. But that just a little cautionary tale for Rocket Man. If you like Elton John, you're probably going to love this movie. Nice. If you're sort of on the fence with Elton John, how do you feel about musicals? If musicals aren't really your thing and Elton John's not your favorite performer, eh, this may not be the one for you in the sense that you may not enjoy it as much as you might think you're going to. That makes sense. Uh, for myself, I have two things I wanted to
0: mention. Uh, they're both sort of celebratory in nature. So the first thing is, is around here at Pop Cozy World. We have a, uh, a big event coming up in a couple of days. Derek Myers, it's your going to be your birthday. Happy birthday, my friend. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. So happy birthday. I,
1: I'm, not, I'm not Chris kind of old, but I'm getting up there. <laughs> Who
0: is? You yep. know, I'm, I'm, I just hope to make it to the end of the show. You know, I'm, you know, <laughs> you know. Um, so anyway, happy birthday, my friend. And Thanks, the other thing of celebratory note that I wanted to mention was recently um, the little podcast right here got mentioned in the Wall Street Journal. It was kind of cool. The Wall they, Street Journal, the, yes,
1: the newspaper.
0: Yes, the, the newspaper from the States there. Uh, they did an article on a um, podcast that uh, Gen Xers should be listening to our show got mentioned. So I just thought it was kind of kind of cool. So just give it a little shout out there that we got mentioned. They didn't contact us for the article or anything like that. It just showed up and I was on Twitter and someone mentioned it and I was like, whoa what's this?" i went and took a look at the article. I was like, "Hey, that's pretty cool. They're talking about the show and they said one of our best episodes was the one that we did where uh it was what what TV show should we binge watch next when we had Justin Mason on as our guest." And I just thought it was really cool. It was really really nice to be mentioned. So.
1: Yeah, no, it was uh, I was thrilled when uh, oh, well it's it's okay. So I just thought of something else. So when you, you you messaged me to say, hey, we got mentioned in the Wall Street Journal. I happen to be out that night. And then so, of course, I started forwarding it through social media to a lot of my friends. And and a lot of people uh, reached out to me and said, hey, this is great. A few people said, I didn't realize you did this podcast. Uh, <laughs> nice. Even some of the people I work with who uh, mentioned, oh, hey, I didn't realize you had this podcast. That's cool. And they've since listened to the show and, and given me some very positive feedback. So that was great. But uh, I was out when I got this news. I was out seeing 80s music performer, Howard Jones. Oh, yes. <laughs> he's nice. And how the, was uh, it? The, the Canadian National Exhibi- Exhibition, the CNE here in Toronto. It was a, uh, a free concert with your paid admission to the park. You got to see this show. It was great. He was so good. If if I mean, I love 80s music and I love 80s music videos. And although he's, you know, obviously a little older, uh, he was still sounded great. I mean, he came out and he had like this guitar that was like a keyboard guitar yep. and i was yep. like oh my god nothing more 80s than that sounded great Um uh, he, he played a lot of well not a lot he played a fair amount of sort of newer tracks like we'll say mid 90s and onward that i'd never heard before right um but he played all his 80s greatest hits the does show ran two full hours yeah it was great does he still have the big 80s hair he had that big kind of crazy hair in the 80s i remember uh, unlike many of his contemporaries he does still have his hair <laughs> nice he, he didn't have Ooh. it all spiked up like <laughs> right. he did in the early 80s uh it's it's all white completely <laughs> white course. now but it was a little bit you know he had to not not like uh, mullet long but it was like long on top but it was like combed back and stuff oh and uh, nice. yeah no he gave it his all and uh, the two guys uh that that were with him playing like uh, the guitar and the keyboards they both had like full on 80s hair even though they were older dudes and again they were probably guys that he'd played with for years oh i'm sure uh, the light show was great. The, it sounded great. It was quite good. It was uh, it was something that I I, I kind of wish that you had been there because I figured, uh, you know, it was sort of in your wheelhouse, too. But it was a great mm-hmm.
0: show. Oh, I'm sure I would have liked it. OK. On that, right, right, yep.
1: Sorry. I was going to say. And while that was going on right across the street at a different venue, Hootie and the Blowfish were playing <laughs> Jeez. So, yeah, the 80s so. in one venue, the 90s right across the road. Yep, Exactly. Very cool. Anyway.
0: We got to get together again sometime soon. The last time that you and I got together for a concert, it was the '70s because we went to see ZZ Top. I know that they were in the '80s too, and uh, we got to go again. So we'll we'll get to that. But in the meantime, what do you say we get started this week? Okay?
1: Absolutely. Let's All right. Do this. Here we go.
0: Calm blue ocean.
1: Calm blue. Calm the ocean. It, there's a lot of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Smokey in the band oh! shirt for you. <laughs> so, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yes,
0: oh, I'm so glad. Boof from Teen Wolf.
1: Hot as a Pistol. Wow, I know. That's pretty amazing. I'm a big Dungeons and Dragons nerd. It's
0: a shock that you never got more girls in high school.
1: <laughs> Calm Blue Ocean, Calm Blue Ocean, Calm Blue Ocean. I don't know. That's a lot to unpack, Chris. Like, Give me a second here. <laughs>
0: Okay, so you and I got talking recently and we decided that we both really like cop movies. Movies with cops, about cops. And we were like, man, there's a lot of good ones out there. Like, hey, this sounds like a topic for a show. So we decided to go ahead and put together a list as we are wont to do every third show. And we're doing a top five list tonight of our favorite cop movies. So Derek, let's start number five, work our way up to number one best cop movie of all time, at least as we see it and you want to start us off
1: what is your number five cop movie of all time my friend uh, just before we jump into that yes we originally talked about making it a cops and robbers theme or or something where it was focusing on the good guys and the bad guys and we realized that was such a a rich vein of movies we had to split it up so this one is focusing on on the cops this is the good guys these are the police officers Mm -hmm. uh you know the people of the law and we we further uh, quantified it by saying this it has to be actual police officers being depicted. It can't mm-hmm. be FBI, CIA, Secret Service, uh, uh or any Green Berets, anything special ops, nothing like that. This right. is just your beat cops, your cops that work in the big cities or maybe not the so big cities. And and it had to focus on the cops and not necessarily focus as much or more on the bad guys. And there are a lot of great movies that are sure sure to fall sort of in this stream, but focus more on the point of view of the bad guys which i think we'll do in a totally different podcast down the road so this one was just let's focus on the cops so with that it was still pretty difficult to nail down to five movies my number five is the, is from 1994 speed starring keanu oh. Reeves, sandra bullock and dennis hopper oh yeah i've seen that one have you seen it? I wow. have. I yes, have seen, seen it. surprise. I know, seen this? I know
0: it's shocking. I've seen something after 1989. I know. I can't believe. But I did see that one. I actually kind of enjoyed that. I thought it was pretty good. I didn't uh, think – I remember going into it thinking, Keanu Reeves, really? Like, but, you know, it was really good.
1: Yeah. It's uh, – so, I mean, hopefully people have seen it or at least heard of it. It's joked as, you know, it's the movie about the bus that couldn't slow down. Mm-hmm. So uh, Dennis Hopper plays a uh, – um, a retired police officer who is bitter at his department for letting him go for all the wrong reasons. And so he tries to extort money out of this out of the city um, to basically make up for the money he feels he should have been uh, granted as with his pension. And uh, after a couple of minor setbacks at the beginning where he tries to, uh, you know, I think he has an elevator full of people he tries to hold hostage. Yes. And then he, he does some other sort of what we'll call the minor attempts. He eventually puts a bomb on a bus, just a regular commuter bus, and uh, it says if the bus falls below uh, – is it 50 or 55? I think it's 50. Um, if the bus goes below 50, it will blow up. And so um, Keanu Reeves – yeah, 50 miles per hour. Keanu Reeves, as the cop, has to get on the bus to try and you know help the bus continue to go – fast enough so it doesn't blow up and it might sound like it's kind of a dumb premise but it was action-packed it was it was one of these ones where uh you know like you said you can Reeves is an action hero because you got to remember this is five years before the matrix this is way before john wick like mm-hmm. Keanu reeves at this point is the guy from bill and ted's excellent adventure mm, that's and Parent right. and parenthood and, and you that's like, right really and that jeff guy? daniels
0: was his partner you're like what what's this but they were yeah. both so good in it.
1: yeah yeah no it was quite good this definitely uh let's let, you see that Keanu Reeves could definitely be an, an action star. Uh, it's one of Sandra Bullock's first movies. Uh, again, she, she doesn't, uh, well, she, she basically takes over for the bus driver who gets injured right away. So she's driving, literally she's the one driving the bus. Uh, but you can see that they have this, uh, this good on-stream chemistry. I mean, Sandra Bullock went on to win an Oscar like she's definitely mm-hmm. talented and it's certainly apparent in this early performance that she's good and uh, yeah it was it was one of these 90s movies that sort of borrow a lot from the 80s kind of movies where there was certainly the blow them up and shoot them up and and explosions and fast chases and all the things you would expect from a, a quote-unquote action movie but it was uh, it was a vehicle that yeah. No pun intended. It was a vehicle that launched uh, Keanu Reeves' career more than it already was. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it was my number five pick, Speed, my number five cop movie. I like
0: it. Okay. Uh, for my number five, you know, for a time back in the late 1970s, early 80s, Burt Reynolds was the biggest box office star in the world. And during that time, he mostly starred in comedies like Smokey and the Bandit, a personal fave of mine. Gave you the T-shirt, Derek. You know, I still wear cannibal uh, run cannibal run. Oh, another personal favorite of mine. But right in the middle of that run of these like successful comedy movies that he had, Burt Reynolds came out with this gritty cop movie called Sharky's Machine. Nothing like going from the cannibal run with Dom DeLuise to a cop movie about hookers and corrupt politicians. Right. Like a, a total recipe for a bomb. Right. Only thing was it was good. It was actually really, really good. And it's based on William Deal's first novel, the same name. And it stars Reynolds and it's got Bernie Casey and like Charles Derning is in it. Vittorio Gasman's the bad guy, Rachel Ward. And so in this movie, Reynolds is this narcotics cop. And you just say like he's a little unorthodox, shall we say. And, and, and because he like guns down this drug dealer like on a public bus. So he gets demoted to vice. And he gets put on this case of staking out this high-priced call girl, and it's played by Rachel Ward. One of the most incredible-looking women to ever appear on camera. I don't know whatever happened to her caveman, but she was big there in the 80s for a bit. But anyway, uh, so Reynolds has to, like, surveil her, right? And, of course, he ends up falling for her. And it all sounds weird and corny, but it's not. It's a really, really good movie. And full disclosure, though, I do want to say I went back and watched the movie well, a couple years ago, and it doesn't really hold up very well and the reason i say that is it was really meant to capture kind of the times of 1981's atlanta and it really really does but the result is it really comes across as very dated looking like the movie itself is really good like i say henry silva is just outstanding as this he's like this drugged out assassin and he's at one point he's so hopped up on cocaine that they keep shooting him and he just doesn't go down and then he finally does go down, like literally, in this climactic scene at the um, at the Weston Peachtree Plaza in downtown Atlanta. If you've ever seen the Atlanta skyline, it's that recognizable, really cylindrical building. And he just basically falls out right from the top all the way down. The movie is gritty. It's violent. It has sort of a quality of realism about it. It makes it one of the best cop movies I've ever seen. And Burt Reynolds, by the way, I think, you know, in this movie shows you he's not just that goofy comedy actor. The dude could flat out act. He really, really could. My number five. What do you got for number four?
1: So uh, just comment on yours. So Sharky's Machine, I've mm-hmm. heard of it. Mm-hmm. I never, I've never, never seen it. So uh, I'll have to take your word for it that it's as good as you're saying it is. But uh, you mentioned that it was dated, and that, that sometimes is a bit of an issue for me. Uh, and, and to be honest, going back to my number five pick, Speed, it's on TV all the time. And mm-hmm. when it is, I tend to watch it over and over again, at least certain parts of it. It doesn't feel dated, even though it was in the mid-90s. Really, the only thing that feels dated about that movie is that they don't have cell phones. Yeah. Other than that, the movie could pretty much be shot today, and it really wouldn't be that different. Well, and I think the, uh, the premise of it is just it's very entertaining. You know, it's very fast-paced very and so, entertaining. Yes. Yeah. So you just – i mean, it, it yeah. grabs the you and takes you along for the ride. Things, yeah. But yeah, yeah, sure. OK. Uh, before I go on with my list, I do want to say um, there are a number of cop movies, iconic cop movies mm-hmm. from the 70s that I'm sure some of them will be on your list mm-hmm. that as much as I wanted to put them on my list – I either haven't seen them at all or I've only seen them once and it was a long time ago and I just couldn't remember enough of the details to justify it going on my top five list. Sure, uh, But again, I don't want to step on your toes afterwards. Maybe we do a quick honorable mention to sure. a couple that didn't quite make the list. But yeah, I think afterwards people are going to lo- listen and go, how come you didn't say this? And how come you didn't say that? Believe me, it's not that I, not, I don't know these movies. It's just that if I haven't seen them or I haven't seen them recently and I can't recall the details, I don't think it's fair for me to put them on the list. That so. nah, makes sense. Okay. Number four, I guarantee is a movie you haven't seen because it came out in 2001. (laughs) It is Training Day. Oh, actually,
0: I actually did. So funny story. I was in the Dominican Republic in 2003, went down with a bunch of buddies from work. We all went down there and I got really, really sick. I don't know if I drank some of the water by mistake or something, but I got really ill. So I was in my room. Everyone was out for the day at the pool and partying and I was stuck in my room. And so I put on TV and we got like one English channel. It was a movie channel and this was on and I watched it. So I have wow. seen it. Okay. I was really wow. sick, I so I don't well. remember how much I saw of it. Like I was kind of in and out of, you know, you know, being very ill. Uh, but yeah, I did. I have seen it. I remember a bit of it. Wow. It's okay. Ethan I'm Hawke and uh, and Denzel Washington was great. Wait, won you're, an
1: Oscar. Steal my thunder, yeah. man. Come yeah, on. No. It's my pick. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Yeah, but I do. I do. I'm familiar with it. So yeah, go ahead. Okay. So Training Day 2001, director Antoine Fuqua. It stars Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke, both of whom were nominated for Oscars. Denzel Washington winning. Uh, an Oscar for his performance in this film. Uh, it It is the uh, the day in the life of the young rookie cop, Ethan Hawke, who gets promoted to the, the drug squad or whatever it's called, narcotics. Uh, Denzel Washington, being the senior field agent, takes him on the, you know, takes him out to show him the ropes and let him know what it's all about. And, and literally, it's called Training Day. The movie takes place in one day. It shows what happens from the time. To- it literally starts with him getting out of bed. Like it's, it's the one day, uh, in the, 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 life of this rookie. And as often happens in movies that are set up this way, a tremendous amount of crazy things happen, but it makes for interesting, interesting storytelling. Uh, you quickly learn that Denzel Washington's character is uh, a cop who definitely does not play by the rules is certainly got a certain amount of corruption in him and takes advantage of his position as a, as a law enforcement officer. And it makes Ethan Hawke ask a lot of, uh, morally moral questions about uh, you know what is his how are his ethics going to play into this is he going to do what his police training tells him to do and report his senior officer for doing these bad things Or does the senior officer actually know a thing or two and say like sometimes the ends justify the means and in order to do a few bad things, you end up doing a much greater good. Now, by the end of the film, it's pretty clear that this – the character of Denzel Washington's character does a lot of bad things. So uh, you kind of suspect and can sort of see where it's going that Ethan Hawke's not going to sit for it and there will be a confrontation and there certainly is and it's it's a great uh, end to the movie uh it it was it was all around a great movie It's well done well shot well performed it's uh definitely a rewatchable movie that you could go back and and watch again and again it it's another one that doesn't really feel dated because it's just a day in the life of some police officers and i think that um although some of the circumstances might change a cop's job is hard and this this uh this movie sort of depicts that that uh you know there there it's not always going to be black and white the bad guys aren't always going to play by the rules so sometimes you just got to do what you got to do to get it done and And, you know, do whatever you need to do to to help you sleep at night to know that at the end of the day, the greater good has been served. So number four for me, Training Day for 2001. All right. I like it. Okay, my number four. Okay,
0: caveman, here's where you start accusing me of giving my textbook answers. But I'm telling you, no list of cop movies would be done right if you don't mention The French Connection. Uh, So it's my number four. It came out in 1971 uh, based on Robin Moore's novel. Uh, It was directed by William Friedkin, who went on to direct The Exorcist. Uh, If all you remember about this movie— is The Car Chase. I think you need to go back and watch it again. Now, The Car Chase is one of the best in movie history. No question. But the entire movie is just so good. It's amazing. Gene Hackman's best performance ever on film as Popeye Doyle. Roy Scheider is his partner, Buddy, before he went on to do Jaws. Um, It's basically about this heroin smuggling ring and the cops that try to bust it. But the whole thing is just so unbelievably realistic. It feels almost documentary in nature. The performances, the cinematography, the whole look and feel of the movie, to me, set the standard for what gritty, realistic cop movies should be. And when Doyle chases a guy through Brooklyn, like, uh, what can I say? You know, it's it's already the most well-documented car chase in movie history, and rightly so. Um, The camera mounted to the front bumper catches sort of what it's like to race, you know, through a cop chase. And the collateral damage, not just in that car chase, but throughout the entire movie, there's all this collateral damage that happens. And to me, it just all adds up to be one of the most realistic, gritty, and greatest cop movies ever made. You've got to go back and watch The French Connection from 1971.
1: Number four. So that's... I was going to say number that French connection is one of those ones I was just talking about. Couldn't mm-hmm. put on my list because right. the last time I watched it, I was working at blockbuster video in the nineties. Mm-hmm. And I just, I honestly don't remember very much about it. Mm-hmm. And, and I got to be honest, Gene Hackman, not an actor I've ever really cared for. Mm-hmm. Um, I get it. He, he's done a few films where I thought, okay, he was good or he plays against type and, and, uh, but for me, he's just not an actor that uh, ever really uh, appealed to me. Like when I worked at the video store and we got all these free rentals, You, you, you needed some guideline to figure out what am I going to rent this week? And so you would pick an actor is usually what you do. You go this week, I'm going to rent all of the uh, Tom Cruise movies. Next week, I'm going to rent all of the, uh, you know, whatever uh, movie you pick an actor and you go and I'm going to watch every movie Al Pacino's done and Gene Hackman. Never once made my list of what am I going to watch this week. Oh, I'm going to go and rent every movie Gene Hackman's ever been in. Of course, that would have been all my rentals for an entire year. But uh, yeah, he was pretty pretty prolific there for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, so that's that's a big reason why that movie didn't make my list. So, all right. uh, On to my number three. Here's one that I'm fairly confident you have seen. It is the uh, 1987 Richard Donner film, A Lethal Weapon. Oh, yes.
0: Very good one. Yes. All right. I got to say this. My top three, I I
1: cycled through the order, and for a while, Lethal Weapon was my number one, but I ended up bumping it to number three for a few reasons. So uh, Lethal Weapon, uh, Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, uh, Paracops. This is Mel Gibson's uh, first – well, I mean he had done the Mad Max movies, uh, but this really just catapulted him into superstardom, uh, opened the door for things like Braveheart and Passion of the Christ. Like this is what put Mel Gibson on the map. This is where he became – uh, went from you know a guy you know to like an A plus super duper superstar, and um, I mean it it has everything that that eighties action movies are supposed to have. Sort of as I mentioned with Speed, it's got like it's got a lot of explosions, it's got shoot 'em up, it's got unnecessary violence, it's and and following the eighties formula, there's a a little bit of nudity and uh, you know it's it's this uh, this shoot 'em up cop movie, but it's it's got these two characters that just are so memorable and so well together. Uh, Again, the formula that you even saw in Training Day to a certain extent uh, where you have the older, experienced police officer who gets a younger officer that he has take under his wing. And then, of course, there's the, oh, we don't get along so well. And then by the end, you're like, we're pals. It's like this is this is the buddy comedy movie. Well, not comedy, but it's like, you know, the buddy cop movie. Uh, And they've spawned three sequels. They, you know, went Lethal Weapons 1 to 4. By 4, they started to – the quality started to dip a little bit. But by then – you knew these characters and love these characters so much. There's a certain trust there that you're like, ah, I'm sure there's going to be enough here that I enjoy that this is worth seeing. And uh, yeah, I can remember seeing Lethal Weapon. Uh, I can remember seeing Lethal Weapon in the theater, which I probably had to sneak into because uh, I would probably have still been a little young. I think it would only have been about 13 or 14 at the time. And um, yeah, I've probably seen this movie 20 times or more uh, in, so, you know, maybe not in its entirety, but it's uh, it's a great cop movie that has these two detectives uh, ultimately at the end they uh, they solve the case and there's a lot of uh blood and guts and shoot them up and bang and explosions and everything you want from an action adventure movie but it's also got a lot of comedy and one of the things that i felt lethal weapon did really well was the musical score and we talked about this last week when we were talking about stripes um i felt lethal weapon they just they had this uh interesting musical score it was sort of like a uh, jazzy kind of music and i want to say eric clapton contributed to the music if i remember correctly he might have i know it, in, in the the closing credits
0: it was honeymoon suite one of my favorite canadian bands yeah, of all yeah. time. did the song yeah
1: absolutely yeah they did the the song lethal weapon it was more of like a, a ballad than, than mm-hmm. a, uh, you know a rock anthem but right. just the the musical score they had throughout this movie and then continued through the sequels really really helped um uh, i like identify it and help it's helped it stand out from other similar movies that were constantly being released in the 80s just the quality was there richard donner certainly knows how to make an action movie i mean he had made superman one and two um did richard donner do die hard no that was uh john mctiernan yeah, um, that was, yeah. but anyway donner donner did a lot of of action movies so you oh yeah like
0: superman movie. two and all that yeah exactly so yeah so
1: anyway, Lethal Weapon is uh, is my number three pick, and uh, it could have easily been my number two or my number one. It's it's one of my all time favorite cops.
0: I like it. A couple things I like about that movie: um, Gary Busey's character. God, Josh, why are
1: so? Uh- Mr. But, Joshua.
0: Oh man! Oh man! Gary Busey was great in that movie. Really memorable. And remember Tom Atkins, uh, his daughter is the one that dies at the beginning because she was she had taken drugs and she does yeah. a nude scene and then she jumps out of the uh, out of the, the off the building and is killed and that kind of precipitates the whole investigation. The actress that played her, Jackie Swanson, uh, also went on to be in Cheers. She was Kelly. Um, which was Woody's girlfriend, so always remember that.
1: So. Oh, I never realized yep. that's who that was. Yep. Okay. Yep.
0: Yep. Yeah. 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 I really like Lethal Weapon. It's a great one. Um, okay, so my number three, um, N- Beverly Hills Cop from 1984, and so I'm going with uh, by by the time that this movie came out, Eddie Murphy obviously had broken out as a superstar from an otherwise crappy cast of Saturday Night Live after in the post Belushi era, um, and he really made the jump to movies like effortless, effortlessly. And when this movie came out, man, it was a huge box office success. It was the number one film at the box office for 1984, beating out Ghostbusters and Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom. And, you know, movies like Gremlins and Police Academy and Karate Kid. It was just huge. It was huge. And it was directed by Martin Brest and produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. And really overall, it's a comedy, but it's got some really violent parts in it as well. It's rated R, as most of Eddie Murphy's movies, especially his early movies were before he started making like the clumps and all that kind of stuff. Um, You know, but again, proving once again, Gen X movies are way better. But anyway, uh, one of the things I really loved about this movie was the fact that, you know, Eddie Murphy is, like I said, this massive box office megastar. And he's front and center in this movie. But even so, it's the peripheral characters in this movie that are just amazing and drive the whole story. Like you got Taggart and Victor Maitland and Lisa Eilbacher's character and Paul Reiser and Bronson Pinchot and even the Beverly Hills cop of the title isn't Eddie Murphy. The Beverly Hills cop is Judge Reinhold and he's one of the most memorable actors in the movie. Like the the whole thing is just great. It, it, I think it's just about as memorable and as entertaining a cop movie as you're ever going to find it's got a little bit of everything in it and it's my number three cop movie of all time love this movie so much
1: so i agree with everything you've said it's actually my number two movie oh, oh I, god I we, we yes. sometimes we have some overlap, we have overlap. Well, how can I, we not i figured like we this. would yeah i figured we might and and again I had Beverly Hills Cop at three, then two, then one, then back to three, then back to two. And I, I, I suspected it would be on your list as well. Well, go right and, into it. It's uh, your number two. Like, tell me. A yeah, little so, bit so it's my number two. And, and for all the reasons you've said, um, you know, when I was when I was much younger and this movie first came out, I definitely saw this uh, on video. I I was way too young to see it in the theater, given all the, the R rating for all the swearing. But uh, I grew up in a household where. My parents used the occasional profanity and people who know me will know that that's a very gross understatement. Uh, My mom never had any issues with us watching movies where they said bad words. She was more concerned with like excessive sex, violence and nudity. Uh, But if it was just a movie that had bad words, she was fine with it. And they're like, she's like you hear that at home all the time so uh she had no problem renting beverly hills cop for us um i can remember she even rented the eddie murphy delirious and raw the stand-up specials <laughs> for you which kids? she's like oh it's just a comedy and he's just gonna make swears so she's like go ahead watch it <laughs> delirious it had,
0: delirious was so famous because they used the f word like 250 times in it or something like that like, yeah, it's just crazy and of
1: course <laughs> as like awesome. a, a, an 11 or a 12 year old you're laughing your butt off not understanding half the jokes and those things but anyway i, I always loved eddie murphy even as a young Kid, I thought he was talented on Saturday Night Live. He, he came up with Beverly Hills Cop. He, you know, he had a lot of hits in a very short period of time in the '80s. And you know, much like we were just talking about uh, Mel Gibson, Eddie Murphy was just catapulted into super duper superstardom. Uh, by the time Beverly Hills Cop one came out, they did two sequels. Cop 2, in my opinion, is one of those rare occasions where the sequel is every bit as good as the first one, in my opinion. Uh, the third one was terrible. I saw it once. It was awful. I never, ever want to see it again or something. And that was it. John
0: Landis, wasn't it, the, the third one? I agree with you. The second one was good,
1: but I, yeah. I Honestly, for the third one, I don't remember all the details. I just remember the, the stuff I remember was so bad yeah. that I, I was not interested. And I want to say they're rebooting this or they've been talking oh, about. God, rebooting please, this. no, please, no, please don't do it. Um, but don't yeah, do no. it. Cop one was good. And it is it is very much uh, a detective story where, although he's a wisecracking streetwise cop who comes in and does crazy things and says bad words uh, at the heart of it. It demonstrates like they they make a a big deal of demonstrating that he is a capable detective. He is a a good police officer. And and at the beginning of the movie, his his uh, his boss, Inspector Todd, you know, (laughs) reams him out. And you get the impression that this is one of those guys that gets yelled at a lot, but he obviously produces results to get to the level he's at in the police force. Um, and for them to put up with his crap, he's obviously good and or good at his job. And this movie goes – demonstrates that. Like look at how good he is. He comes to this environment he knows nothing about um, and he still manages to um, you know enlist the assistance of the locals and still shows them up on their own turf in scene after scene. And in the second Beverly Hills Cop, um, you know, you, you get – an extension of that by then at this point now the characters know each other so they can really build on these characters that you've already uh seen in the first one which is why i think the second one works so well uh, uh, you know same idea it's like here's this story that requires some actual detective work and in beverly hills cop one he's he's investigating the murder of his friend and it takes him to beverly hills and you know he ends up uncovering this big drug ring and and yeah it was great and, and like 80s movies it, it certainly has a, its share of shoot-em-ups but it's not one of these movies with excessive violence and and explosions. Like Lethal Weapon has very bloody scenes and, and graphic like shoot 'em ups and explosions, cars and buildings blowing up. Beverly Hills Cup doesn't have anything to that extent. There's a couple of sorta of- High speed chases for short periods and there's things like where They crash a car into a wall or a building but it, The car doesn't blow up and when they shoot People the guy just falls down it's not like this Explosive bloodbath going on uh, And by today's standards With the exception of all the, uh, the swearing Which is even tamed down Freddie Murphy At that point it, it's pretty tame by Today's standard uh, but yeah, my number two, Beverly Hills Cop.
0: And there is a connection to uh, to new millennial type stuff with uh, Jonathan Banks. So Jonathan Banks is the, an actor that is in this movie. He plays Zach. He's a guy. Hey, cuz. He's actually the guy at the beginning that shoots um, Eddie Murphy's uh, buddy that comes to see him. Um, remember, he stole the bear bonds and he gets shot. So the, the, the gangster oh. that shoots him, Jonathan Banks, yeah, yeah. it was in Breaking Bad. He was Mike. And he was also in yeah. Better, Better Call Saul. so just a, Better Call Saul. Yeah, a little bit of a connection there. Uh, so I, yeah, definitely. I, I
1: actually knew him from uh, the old show Wise Guy, Ken Wall, Wise Guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jonathan yeah. Banks was his handler. That's, that's how I knew him before even Beverly Hills Cub. Yeah, he was
0: in another movie that I'm going to mention in a, in a little bit, too. Uh, but my number two is actually um, Witness from 1985. So Harrison Ford Ford is just amazing. And when obviously when he hit it big with Han Solo, Solo, you know, you had to think he's going to get typecast like the rest of the cast of Star Wars did, right? But then they announced he's going to play Indiana Jones and you just couldn't believe it. Like he's Han Solo, right? I mean, but then you watch Raiders and not once in that movie, do you look at that on him on screen and think, oh, that's Han Solo? He's Indiana Jones. That's it. And then when you watch him in Blade Runner, he's Rick Deckard. Like, not once do you think of him as, as Solo or Indiana Jones. The guy's an amazing actor. And so then when he came up with Witness, he seamlessly became the character of John Book. Like, completely believable. And again, no hint of Solo or Indiana Jones in the character at all. And that, I, just, I just find that just amazing. An amazing part of his career. But this movie... For those of you that haven't seen it, it's a story of a young Amish boy who goes with his mom to the city and he witnesses a murder. And to make things worse, the murder is committed by a corrupt cop. And John Book is the lead investigator on the case. And so he has to go into hiding in order to get away from the bad cops because there's a bunch of bad cops in the system, including the the chief. And so he goes into hiding while he's trying to solve this crime. And so he goes and lives among the Amish while he's investigating. And the movie is outstanding. It's a romance. It's a fish out of water story. It's a Hitchcockian thriller. All rolled into one. And it's a cop movie. And a damn good one at that. So it clocks in at number two for me. Witness.
1: Harrison Ford was nominated for uh, an Oscar for that, was he not? Uh, he was. And so was Kelly McGillis. Wow. Um, yeah, again, witness one of those ones that I, I saw years ago. I remember thinking, eh, this one's pretty good, but sort of just okay. And, and it's not one that I've had an opportunity to revisit. So didn't, didn't make my list. I
0: will, um, I'll have to nominate it for a future, uh, podcast, but I'll we'll have to go back and watch it and really pick it apart. Cause I think you might be surprised at just quite how good this movie is. It was, oh, it was outstanding.
1: Yeah. Okay. Number one cop movie. Number one cop movie. Go for it. From 1995, David Fincher, mm-hmm. Seven. Ah, have you seen it? I actually have seen it. I don't really wow. remember. I haven't remembered wow. much about so, it. Hang on. Hold on. Stop. <laughs> stop the press. Stop the press. It's not the week's press anymore. Chris, are you saying you've actually seen all five movies on my list? Speed, Training Day, Lethal Weapon, Beverly Hills Cop, and Seven. You've seen all five of those movies?
0: There's a first for everything. And yes, I've seen the ball.
1: Wow. and And I want to point out. I got a movie on this list from 1994, 1995, mm-hmm. and 2001. And you've P- seen impressive. all of these. Yes, movies. I know. I know. Wow. There's, wow. there's a first. Yes, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. There's a first Jeez, for everything. Wow. Right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this will be the very last episode of Pop Goes Your World. Uh, no, <laughs> we can but, die. We can die now. My head is going I'm, I'm old enough. I might yeah. as well just die. <laughs> okay. okay. So let me talk about seven. One of the things for me that – uh, a reason why i would enjoy a quote unquote cop movie is i want to see i want to see police officers doing their job in a way that is that is interesting and entertaining and to a certain extent accurate and i love a good detective story and a lot of the movies i wanted to put on this list when i started looking back through the notes the character was a retired police officer who is now a private detective and a lot of my favorite movies that I've always assumed, oh, yeah, that's a cop movie, are not actually about cops that are cops when the course of the movie happens. So, for example, Chinatown with Jack Nicholson is a movie I love. It's one of my all-time faves. He's not a police officer. In that He's a retired police officer or someone who has previously worked with the police, and but he's a private dick. So um, – when it came to comp movies, I'm looking for movies where it's the actual police. And one of the things I love about seven is you, again, it's this one where Morgan Freeman is the older senior agent. Brad Pitt is the new guy who's coming in to, to essentially replace him, to literally replace him. And they pick up this case and it turns out to be this serial killer. And, uh, there's only a one week overlap before the old guy retires and the new guy takes over. So for the one week, they, they work the case together. And in this movie, it's this you know this mystery who done it and what's coming up next and and all that stuff but you see huge sections of the movie are the cops doing the less glamorous cop things that genuinely need to happen for them to be successful at their job you see a, a long scene where Maureen freeman's character goes to the library overnight to do a whole bunch of research and then they have to go to the forensics lab and they literally sit there in the, in the lobby and wait for hours for results and I, I like the way that this movie doesn't glamorize the – the, the enti- every aspect of being a police officer. And in a lot of other movies, you watch it – like Beverly Hills Cop, you watch it and you go, oh my god, that looks like that's a great job. And look how much fun they're all having. Woo, this is a great uh, – I mean it's certainly an important job but I think that Seven did a really good job of making it more realistic and gritty and you've got these cops that are investigating these murders and they're like these grisly crimes where – horrible and despicable things have happened and and you know when they eventually start to figure out what's going on like the person who's doing these is like a crazy psychopath like he's well not crazy i mean he might be crazy but he's like highly intelligent and he's motivated and and it's this really interesting intricate weave of this story that's being told and uh david fincher's style of telling a story is always something that's appealed to me he's he's definitely got his own uh cinematic style he's got his own a style of pacing. Like you can watch a movie if you're a film buff and you've never seen, um, Uh, all of Fincher's works and someone puts one on you hadn't seen, you could probably guess within five or 10 minutes, this is a Fincher movie, just the way it's shot. And I mentioned last week on the show, Mindhunter, the TV show is produced and some of the episodes are directed by Fincher. And you sort of get that same feel the way he tells a story and the pacing. And seven to me has these great performances, Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman in the main roles, Gwyneth Paltrow plays a supporting role as Brad Pitt's wife and spoiler alert for people who haven't seen the movie, but come on, it came out in 1995. If you haven't seen it by now, uh, sorry, but uh, Kevin Spacey, is uh, is the bad guy in this movie, and despite what we've recently learned about him, uh, you know he still gave a great performance. And um, this movie is just a great all around great cop movie. You've got these great performances by great actors. You've got this great story. You've got this great director. All the all the right pieces fell in all the right places. And at its heart, it's a detective story. I loved it. Seven is my number one cop movie,
0: and it's the Seven Deadly Sins, isn't that the the whole concept of the movie? The the guy tries to reenact them in like grisly ways.
1: Yeah, which you don't necessarily know at the beginning, but again, uh, Morgan Freeman's character Somerset, you get the sense is a pretty intelligent Mm. uh, detective, and that's I think that's the difference is the in a lot of movies. The, uh, the standard quote-unquote cops, you know, we're just cops. They're they're the grizzled, rough and tumble. <clears throat> I used to be military and now I'm police and I'm going to shoot people and beat people up to get the answers I need. Uh, seven shows you more like the capital D detective. Like these are police officers that use their brains just as much or even more so than their brawn, which is not to say they're not capable of shooting their gun or punching someone in the face, but it, it demonstrates how important a tool – your brain is when you're trying to so- solve a complex crime, especially if the person or people committing these crimes are either cuckoo crazy or are you know, highly intelligent, which we've learned in real life. A lot of the, the, the worst serial killers ever are usually quite intelligent. So you need someone just as so smart to track them down and stop them. And I think Seven does a really good job of, of portraying that in, uh, in their depiction of these police officers.
0: Oh, very good. OK, so my number one uh, cop movie of all time. I mentioned Eddie Murphy. We both mentioned Eddie Murphy. He was here uh, number two, my number three with Beverly Hills Cop. I'm going back to Eddie Murphy again here with 48 Hours. So funny enough, Eddie Murphy, box office king of the 80s, mostly known for his comedic chops, actually started out his movie career, not in a comedy, but in this hard-hitting cop drama, 48 Hours. And the thing is, it's got a few laughs in it, but it is a cop thriller through and through. And it is the best cop movie I have ever seen in my entire life. I, for me, I think a key to really good cop movies is the chemistry between the characters. Um, often two yeah, cops, absolutely, right? Absolutely. And and the one that you mentioned was Lethal Weapon. And for me, I, I there, there was so much chemistry between those characters. But the chemistry between Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte is off the charts. And so anyway, the movie opens up with um, with a prison break and the escapees go on this crime spree and what the thing is they're looking for their hidden loot from like a previous job that they did and one of the gang is still in prison and that's Eddie Murphy's character and Nick Nolte is the cop that's assigned to the case but he needs Eddie Murphy to help stop the bad guys because he knows the guys he knows their style and most importantly he knows where the the stolen money is hidden so Nolte gets Murphy out of prison for 48 hours to help him stop the bad guys and it's just like quite you know quite the 48 hours right and murphy is interested in getting his money but mostly he's interested in finding a woman to be with because he's been in prison for a while at this point right and the the scene where he pretends to be a cop and goes into the Red Deck Deck bar bar. yeah oh man He, he basically just uses his charisma and his personality to just to get through to the crowd that is basically the scene that made eddie murphy a movie star He is literally bigger than life in that moment. He's bigger than life in this movie. It rocketed him to fame. It rocketed him to the, the, you know, just the front of the 80s, like as a a movie star. And for me, it rocketed this to the front of the all-time best cop movies. I love this movie. Love it. I've probably seen it a hundred times. I could watch it a hundred more. Best cop movie I've ever seen. Number one in my books, 48 Hours.
1: Yeah, I, I actually recently rewatched this. So good. Um, I, I, I mentioned as I do on almost every episode we do. Um, one of the podcasts I listen to is on the Ringer Network with Bill Simmons. It's called the Rewatchables, where they pick a movie every week and then they do a two-hour gush fest about how much they love it. And one of the one of the very first episodes of the Rewatchables is them rewatching and talking about Forty Eight Hours. And so I listened to the podcast thinking, I know this movie. And when I listened to it, I, it reminded me of so many scenes that I didn't remember. I had to go back and rewatch it after listening to that podcast. And, and you're absolutely right. The movie really holds up. I mean, it's, it's an eighties movie. Don't get me wrong, but it really holds up. And largely because of the performances, uh, with Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte, like those guys are great together. And Nick Nolte, like, come on, he's hit or miss. And of late, he's really a, a lot of miss, but in the eighties, he was still a decent bona fide actor. And, uh, you know, it was it was good. The story was pretty straightforward, but they did a really good job with the execution. And like so many of these other movies in the 80s, they made a sequel another 48 hours. Stay, he gets out of prison. Yeah, stay away and, uh, from that one. <laughs> yeah. And he, and Nick Nolte comes back and says, hey, I need you know, I need your help. Give me another 48 hours to f- finish what we started. I don't remember the sequel that much, uh, but it had Eddie Murphy in it. So I watched it. Um, but I guess the fact that I don't remember it sort of puts in that same category with Beverly Hills Cop three. Um but uh, no, I agree. 48 hours was great. Uh, it didn't make my list, but I got no, uh, no arguments with you having it as your number one. I think absolutely. it's a good
0: one. Yeah, absolutely love it. Now, did you have a couple of honorable mentions you wanted to get to? Yeah, after so I gave you mine here.
1: Yeah, so there was there was um, a couple of movies I talked about at the beginning that I didn't feel focused enough on the police side of it, those being Heat and the departed, which I both thought uh, had great aspects and elements of the police side of a story but i felt both of those really focused more on the the criminal side of it so i didn't feel those made the list i wanted to put dirty harry and serpico on my list i haven't seen either of those movies in 20 years so i didn't feel i could i could do that and then uh, I, I had robocop and die hard robocop to me sort of was a little sidestep from cop movie it was seemed to me more sci-fi than cop movie and die hard although bruce willis is a police officer it's not really focusing on the fact that he's a cop it's it's you know the whole action adventure in the in the building so well and those it's, all it's less that,
0: it's less a cop movie than it's more of a christmas movie right
1: oh well, of course 100 yeah, percent. so, we got that. Yeah, but, so those, those were all movies that that i had rotated in and out of my list but at, by the end of it i had to i had to pull them all out because i didn't feel that any of them uh made the cut for the various reasons that i've just said but those are all great movies that yeah. that do feature police uh, police officers in them, uh, some I just hadn't seen long, you know, recently enough to, to include them, and others I just felt, you know, maybe save those for mm-hmm. a podcast down the road.
0: No, great picks all around. I thought our top five lists were great, great topic. And so time now to have some fun with caveman. OK, so there's been lots of cop movies over the years, but there's also been lots of movies with cops in them as well not necessarily those quote unquote cop movies that we were talking about right you know right. we put parameters on but rather i'm talking about just cops in movies so here's what right. we're gonna do i'm gonna name a cop movie character all you gotta do name the movie that he's in oh boy
1: this always Simple. sounds so easy and then you give me some some curveballs that i missed nah, it's gonna be easy so i just name the cop movie character you name the movie okay okay i'll, I'll see what i uh, wait uh, okay uh, yeah Super Fire away. Easy. I'm ready when you're ready. All right. Super easy. I'm going to start with some easy ones. Okay.
0: Buford T. Justice. What movie is Buford T. Justice in? I have no idea. Oh, jeez! I just gave you the T-shirt. I started with an easy one. It's Smokey and the Bandit. Oh. I'm going to barbecue your ass in molasses. You never. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. Here's an easy one. John McClane. What movie is Die John? Hard. Yes, very good. Okay, congratulations. All right, another easy one. Lieutenant Frank Um.
1: Uh, oh, that's Leslie Nielsen. Uh, what's the movie? Naked, the Naked Gun. Files yeah. of Police Squad. The files of police. I honestly thought that was going to make your list, Chris. I honestly yeah.
0: did. And yeah, I was pretty close. Okay, Samuel Gerard. Samuel Gerard.
1: Oh, this I should know this. This sounds familiar Gerard. Samuel Gerard, nineteen ninety four. No, no. It, it, it'll come to me, but not quickly enough. I got to pass. It's the Fugitive.
0: Oh, the fugitive. Tommy Lee Jones the
1: character. Okay, he's Here. not a cop though. He's a U.S. Marshal. So. Ah, okay, sorry. That's why the Fugitive didn't make my list. Wasn't cop. Clarice Starling. Uh, that was Silence of the Lambs. It was. Congratulations. Again, FBI, not cop. Yeah. Well, you know,
0: Martin Brody. Martin Brody. Oh, oh, oh! Don't let me down, man! Don't let me down! Don't even me hanging, man! Was that no. bullet? No, it was Jaws. It was Jaws. No. Martin Brody. <laughs> Jeez! Oh God, you're killing me. Okay, easy one. Harry Callahan. What Dirty movie? Harry. Yes, very good. Okay, here's here's a newer one for you. You'll like this one. Agent
1: K. Uh oh. Uh, Men in Black. Well, <laughs> good, okay. And I'll give you that one because Will Smith's character wait. Agent K was Tommy Lee Jones. That's right. Will correct. Smith's character, Agent J, was a police officer before they brought him to the men in black.
0: Okay. Uh here's one.
1: Moses Hightower. Oh, um That's from Police Academy. And again, I thought Police Academy might make your list, but I hadn't seen Police Academy in a long time. Someone said that to me when I mentioned this topic. They're like, oh, you got to include Police Academy. I'm like, you know, I would, but it's been a long time since I've it. Oh, God, I love that movie so much. And Moses Hightower, Bubba
0: Smith's character. So, you know, one of my favorite parts of the whole movie is when, you know, they're kind of introducing the characters. I've always said before, that's my favorite thing about Gen X movies, the way they introduce the characters. They're introducing Moses Hightower, and he's like this seven foot tall, like linebacker right guy he's gonna be a cop and then uh i think uh, it was Kerry mahoney is saying to him what did you used to do and he's like i was a florist and he's like a florist what do you mean and he's like, you know flowers and, and i just i don't know i just i find that line so funny <laughs> but anyway okay two more virgil tibbs
1: what movie is call virgil? me mr tibbs that's uh, in the heat of the night <laughs> very good oh yes. yeah they called me mr tibbs that's a good one all uh, right um, you know what?
0: in retrospect that one might have should have been on one pretty of pretty good our lists. Movie. yeah pretty darn good okay and finally marge gunderson marge
1: gunderson oh uh fargo <laughs> Oh, very good! very yes. yeah. again i toyed with putting that one on the list too but i didn't it feel good. it was focusing enough on the police i felt it sort of focused too, a little too much on the bad guys yeah much, that's true on it the, on the but it, it, i toyed with that one too because uh yeah it was it was a good one all right well you did pretty good you only, you only missed like one so it was, oh you missed yeah one. but i missed i missed two that it, were total chris movies that i should have seen coming with Smokey the bandit and jaws i can't believe i, I missed those I two sorry that. buddy oh man you're just killing me i even got you the shirt and he's on the shirt, Buford T. Justice. It doesn't have his name. It just it has oh, the actor's
0: name. And he had so many good lines in that movie, too. Like, oh, man, it was a, there is no way you came from my loins. Oh, God, he had good lines in that movie. Uh, anyway, so it's time now for me to nominate a film. For our next podcast, so uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back in time to 1989. The reason I want to do this is recently I um, I was watching a a, a relatively new movie. You know, it was from like last year. You'd be very very proud of me for doing this. So I watched a new movie. I watched Black Klansman. I heard it was good. Oh, and I I've seen it that. Yeah, really it was good. good. It was quite yeah, good. It was, it
1: was quite good. But it like I mean, won an Oscar finally.
0: Yeah, it won it won a screenplay Oscar. Um, it was good. I thought it was good, but I didn't think it was great. And and so my wife was watching. She's like, oh, this movie's great. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is not his best movie. His best movie was one of his first movies from 1989, meaning Spike Lee. And she's like, what do you mean? So we went back and I made her watch this movie. And I'm going to make you watch this movie because I don't think you've ever seen this movie. So we're going back to 1989, another summer, Sound of the Funky Drummer. We're going back and you're going to watch Do the Right Thing. Have you ever seen this movie, Caveman?
1: I've never seen it. Oh,
0: gosh. Let me tell you, you um, Wow. You're going to be, I don't know, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it something that I think you're going to. You are, like me, you're a film buff. Like, you are a total, total film buff and a film nerd, right? And I think that you're really going to at least be impressed by this movie because the style of this film is just, it's something else. It's something else to see. There's a lot of style. There's a lot of thematic uh, things going on do the right thing it's spike lee's best movie by far and it is just outstanding we're going to come back next episode we're going to pick it apart y'all ready for that
1: yep um like i said i've ne- like i said I've, I've never seen it i'm aware of it uh i know it's got a huge cast especially now looking back at uh, the number of careers that were launched from that movie including spike lee himself uh so i am looking forward to it. it's one of those ones that's always been on my watch list that i've never had a chance to do so uh i i'm looking forward to the opportunity to uh, watching it for the very first time and then we'll so come good. back on the next show and uh, we'll talk about it and now I feel that I've got to sort of meet your level of, of uh, you know film awesomeness with whatever I pick next it can't just be like a, a screwball comedy it's got to be something that's like a critical darling, like, like do the right thing. So, mm-hmm. way to put that extra pressure on me, bud. Right, no problem. Well, well, like I say, we'll come back <laughs> next, next episode. We'll see how
0: you like this movie. But like I say, just from a film nerd kind of point of view, I think that you're really going to be impressed with it. And I, I, I hope that your take on it is like. Where has this movie been my whole life? Why didn't I see this before? Because it is, I, I love it. I think it's absolutely fantastic. But until next show, when we come back and, and watch Do the Right Thing, you can reach out to Derek on Twitter at Amaron underscore DM. You'll find me at C. McBrien. Again, popgojaworld.com is our website. All of our contact information is there. And this is Chris Mcbryan for Derek Myers saying thanks for listening to Pop Goja World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.